Hello and welcome to Inclusion Insights, a podcast brought to you by Voice at the Table, your diversity and inclusion partners. In each episode, we share with you our latest tips and insights into how you can be more inclusive. Because remember, diversity is only half the story. Inclusion is what brings diversity to life. So join our episode today with your host, Voice at the Table editor, Melissa Jackson, and today's guest, founder and CEO of Voice at the Table, Rena Goldenberg-Lynch. Hi, I'm Melissa, your host for Voice at the Table podcasts called Inclusion Insights. In this first series, we'll be looking at inclusive behaviours, what they are, how they help us become more inclusive, and how to get better at them. In this series, we cover four of the eight behaviours, empathy, listening, mitigating bias, and personal values. My guest today, and for the rest of this series, is Voice at the Table founder and CEO, Rena Goldenberg-Lynch. Hello, Rena. Hi, Melissa. Rena, before we delve into the subject, can you explain a bit more what these inclusive behaviours are about? With pleasure. As a DNI consultancy, we believe that diversity is the key to improving the way we work together. And let me explain what we mean by diversity. When we talk about diversity, we talk about diversity of thought, or cognitive diversity as some might call it. How we perceive things, understand them, analyze information, interpret our environment. All this, of course, will be heavily influenced by our experience and individual filters. And this, in turn, is heavily influenced by our backgrounds and the circumstances in which we grew up. In other words, each of us will have a great deal of individuality to contribute. And the more different we are from each other in a team, the greater that depth of contribution will be. But here's the rub. While many organizations are arguably very diverse already, they don't necessarily know how to tap into this wealth of individual contribution that is already existing within. This is when inclusion comes in. Inclusion is the foundation to diversity. It is the kind of team environment that welcomes and values individual contribution. But how do we create that kind of environment? Well, at Voice at the Table, we have distilled inclusion into eight behaviours. Ah, the eight inclusive behaviours. Precisely. In this series, we focus on the first four, the ones we call the inclusion behaviours. These are the behaviours that change how we as individuals see and think of others that makes us more inclusive. Today is empathy. Rena, in the first instance... Can you tell us what empathy is and how it makes us more inclusive? Yes, absolutely. Empathy is something that most of us do understand. It's actually something that most of us feel quite natural at. It is essentially stepping into somebody else's shoes. It's understanding what a person might experience, how they're feeling about a situation. Brenny Brown talks a lot about it, and she draws um, a difference between sympathy and empathy. And that difference is sympathy is feeling sorry for someone and trying to get them over what they're feeling. Empathy is understanding what the person is feeling and giving them the space, acknowledging their emotion and being there for them. I'm thinking of uh, someone who 
we've all seen who exhibits this skill very well. Um, and I'm thinking of Gareth Southgate, actually, the England football manager, who um, at the Euros, if you remember those very <laughs> disturbing scenes when the poor uh, penalty shooters um, were struggling because they missed, and he came right over to them and put his arms around them. That's exactly right. He knew how they felt and he knew that all he did need, needed to do is be there for them and not try to console them or get them to feel better about it. Um, that's, a, that's a great example of empathy. Another person who might come to mind is Jacinda Ardern, of the, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Um, she's always been at the forefront of any uh, examples of great showing of empathy because she understood what it might feel like to be on the outskirts of society and feeling very vulnerable to the virus and providing for people like that. That's another good example. And it leads us well into our first question, actually. How do we become better at this skill or behaviour? It's really quite easy to be empathetic with people who are like us. It's a lot more difficult when we don't know the situation and we don't understand. And therefore, it's important to keep practicing it, even when it's simple. How do we practice that? A big part of feeling empathy is listening. It's just being there and listening to understand, not interrupting, trying to just hold the space. So listening is a big part of empathy. And we will talk about listening in its own uh, episode as well, because it's one of our inclusive behaviors, of course. The other part of empathy is, is trying not to judge and trying to imagine a situation where could it be that you might be in that, that situation? So putting on the shoes of the other person, st stepping into their space, could the roles be reversed? And if you can imagine that, you might in fact see the situation differently. A lot of us will think that we already have empathy in our minds, in our behaviour. We're probably aware of it, certainly, much more so now than we were perhaps 20, 30 years ago. But should we be constantly checking our behaviour in case we become too complacent that we think we are the best we can be when it comes to these inclusive behaviours? It's a good question. I think... Most of the time, people are naturally empathetic and they understand how others feel, particularly in situations where you're with people who are like you. What happens a lot is when we're stressed or fatigued or when we are under our own duress, that's when empathy, empathy might just be thrown out of the window. And those are the moments when we need to to keep that in mind and be more open to either being more empathetic in those cases we just take ourselves away from the situation to remove ourselves so that we don't say something that might hurt the other person's feelings. So it's a bit like pinching yourself almost, is it, to remind yourself? Yeah, exactly. That's a good idea. And, and, and a lot of people, particularly leaders who are very good at this, will know how to up the notch of their empathy scale and, and try to be much more emotional or um, receptive to the other person's feelings. Empathy could be seen as a weakness in some boardrooms. So how do we change that perception and shift the mindset and repackage it as a strength? Well, when you mentioned Gareth Southgate, I was just thinking about that because he is the example of a leader who 
owns empathy, who owns humility and vulnerability, all of which are part of empathy as well. And it's when we see examples like that that can then contribute to the success of the team like the football team has done and shown, that's when the example becomes more mainstream. But it will take courage from people and leaders to embrace empathy, to embrace that kind of humility and vulnerability in order for it to become more mainstream. It isn't what we think of leadership at the moment, but it is becoming more and more commonplace. Courage does seem to come into this discussion quite a bit, actually. Um, does it take a lot of courage, do you think, for a leader uh, to associate with these inclusive behaviours and um, make it obvious for others to see? I think it does. Because not only are we asking somebody to show them a side that, that show a side that they might think of as a weakness, it's also asking them to step out of their comfort, to stretch themselves, to be something that they don't normally uh, perhaps feel comfortable with. Uh, so it takes a lot of courage. And I think in our world today, everyone's going to be asked to be more courageous and more vulnerable so that we can connect with each other in one way. The world is becoming a much smaller place and another because we're all so different and we're asked to understand everyone's differences. It's much more difficult to do that. So everyone is going to be from leader to the graduate who's just joining the organization. Everyone is going to have to be much more courageous and put their heart on their sleeve when they work. And I guess what you've said there is hopefully that courage filters down all the way through and you reap the benefits of that. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of it is also maybe minimizing that distinction between who you are as a person at home and who you are as a person um, in the workplace um, and, and shine through, let, let, let your personality shine through at work as well. What can we learn from witnessing bad examples of empathy? Well, those are great lessons, in fact, and I'm wholeheartedly supportive of all mistakes and, and, and bad examples. And we need to be a little bit more forgiving of ourselves and our own mistakes and bad examples, because as we start to get better at these behaviours, a bit more nuanced in all these inclusive behaviours, that does mean we will make mistakes. And that's OK, because that's how we learn. Absolutely. Um, you know, mistakes are part of life and um, we perhaps need to check other people's behaviour, maybe call them out on things. It takes a brave person to do that. Yes, absolutely call them out. It's how you do it that we also need to work on. And there's a lot of calling out in social media at the moment that is probably not a good example of how to do it. So um, when calling out another behavior or, or a bias, for instance, I always advocate for sharing your feelings, how that behavior or statement affects how you feel rather than blaming the other person or throwing an insult at them. If we, in the course of our life at work, um, wherever it may be, how do we go about challenging others uh, when we become aware of a lack of empathy? Um, Again, courage probably comes into this. It's a big word. It seems to be used a lot, but there may be other, other words you choose to use. Well, challenging someone is another uh, inclusive behaviour. When we talk about it, um, it's our eighth inclusive behaviour, speaking out, and that takes a lot of skill as well. It's not just a matter, as you say, of 
saying out loud what you're seeing. It's uh, it's learning how to say it in a way that is constructive. So what we want to achieve is moving, growing together and doing it in such a way that the other person doesn't feel ashamed or blamed for the behavior. So sometimes some people are very skilled at using humor or uh, a bemused uh, expression um, or sometimes even a repetition or um, a question, repeating the question or repeating or saying to the other person, excuse me, uh, what was it that you just said? is enough to trigger in the other person's bells and whistles, perhaps that the behavior or statement was not quite what was intended. It becomes more difficult in a hierarchical structure. If you're lower down and you feel that you're on the receiving end of some of this negative behavior, is there a way that you can actually um, challenge that? Well, yes, absolutely. I have been giving some great tips on how to do that, and I will gladly share them with you. So the first thing to say is, again, explain how whatever was said to you made you feel, the impact on your feelings of whatever statement or behavior it was. And once you've done that, then you zip it. And you sit there quietly and wait for the other person to respond. And... There is always this urge to fill that silence. But that silence, once you've expressed your emotion, is so powerful. It makes the other person reconsider and go through what has just happened. And almost inevitably, they will come back and apologize for what they said or explain where it came from or move forward in a positive manner. That feels a bit like you're changing the power balance somewhat. That does, doesn't it? If we feel that we're on the receiving end of a lack of empathy, what can we do? How can we go about um, changing that situation? It's not too dissimilar to what I just described, I suppose. It's sitting there with the emotion that you're feeling. I mean, the main thing here is to explain how that statement has landed with you. And in nine cases out of ten, when you are when you're saying something that makes another person feel bad, feel excluded, feel unwelcome, that they don't belong, nine times out of ten it is unintentional. So it's very difficult to handle that, but you want to obviously um, make them aware of that. How do you do that? You sit back, you wait, you might say nothing, and then when you're ready... Share how it made you feel. It's a very similar technique. Very powerful. Do you think as a society we are getting better at all of these inclusive behaviours? Sadly, I don't think I can say that. It depends in the context uh, in which we're communicating. So when you look at social media again, because we're not communicating, communicating face-to-face because we're not um, maintaining eye contact. I think it's a lot easier to throw things at each other without perceiving what it might be like to be on the receiving end of of those statements. When we talk face-to-face, it's a lot more difficult to be mean to each other. And as a society, I think we've become much more of a virtual society And so some of these skills are starting to get lost, particularly with some of the younger population. 
So I think it's very important to keep those skills alive. And that's why I think these inclusive behaviors are even more important today than they would have been five, ten years ago. You have devised some very clever acronyms um, for these inclusive behaviours um, and named them after women. <laughs> really helpful, so that we can remember them more easily. So can you tell us a bit about the one for empathy? Yes, so these acronyms are designed to make it easier for us to remember how we can get better at these inclusive behaviours. The one for empathy is ROSE, R-O-S-E, R stands for receiving people's words with an open mind. So actually just listening and hearing what they're saying without judgment. The O is about being open to new experiences outside our comfort zones. And that's about experiencing the world more and more so that we can understand what it feels like to be in somebody else's shoes. The S is exactly that, stepping into the shoes of another person. And perhaps doing that when we have a conversation or when we recognize that we've just judged someone and then ask yourself, what would be the situation like? What would you feel if you were in, in that person's place and if you stepped into their shoes? And E is about exploring different environments, cultures and perspectives to broaden our horizons so that, again, it might be easier to empathize with someone from a different culture, from a different background, from a different, entirely different universe. So that's Rose. Great. We'll remember that one, hopefully, and take those ideas away with us. So thank you. We've covered a lot of ground here. I do hope our listeners feel empowered by what they've heard and that they'll take away some great tips and advice that they can make use of. If you want to find out more about inclusive behaviours or indeed Voice at the Table, why not take a look at our website www.voiceatthetable.com or drop Rena a line on rena at voiceatthetable.com. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast with Rena Goldenberg-Lynch, CEO of Voice at the Table, being interviewed by me, Melissa Jackson. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast on inclusive behaviours when we cover listening. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>